live far away from the office, have an accent. These are some examples of how you can be unfairly rejected from a position. Have you been rejected because of these things? I suspect I had. And I can imagine that it's true for many of you. Biases are pervasive, and sometimes even well-meaning managers, such as myself, who have worked as a software engineer manager for years, have committed in the past. In this episode, I confess to some of these biases and expose how some questions fester biases. Then Fatima and I will show you ways to overcome them so you can obtain fulfilling positions and careers. You are listening to Diverse Software Engineers Podcast, which inspires engineers to serve clients better, break glass ceilings, and enjoy lucrative work. Your hosts are Eric Lau, Chief Consultant at Brainly Butler Solutions, and Fatima Gelli, up-and-coming engineer. We focus on the soft essential skills which engineers, managers, and clients need to upgrade their software projects. I just saw this question when you mentioned how in class we all get the same questions on an exam, but I was thinking how in an interview, have you ever experienced situations or do you think this happens often where an interviewer might ask you a harder question or a different question because of bias or because of judgment early on? Absolutely. First of all, I don't think a lot of managers or hiring people prepare for interviews as much as you think they do. And it's not necessarily because they're lazy. It's probably the opposite because they're so stressed. It's, they have so many other priorities and, and manage their teams and other things. While hiring is certainly an important part of a manager's job, I've been through this where there are quite a fair amount of chaff to filter so it can be a real drudge. And so a lot of times, even before you get to the interview, there are already biases that are coming into play. For example, recently I talked to a product manager from Sierra Wireless, a pretty big company here in British Columbia, Canada. He took him over like at least four or five years before he got into Sierra Wireless, even though he's, he has worked with one of the Sierra Wireless competitors and he knows a lot about uh, wireless communications, like a lot. So he was asking an intern, how did you get in? Like, how did you get into the CIO wireless? The intern said, I applied, no one's, no one responded or whatnot. And he scraped the website. He just went to the website, loaded a script, loaded all the keywords that he used, and he just filled as many of those keywords in his resume as possible. And he just kept, kept hitting it until he got an interview. And once he got an interview, it was easy peasy. He got in. That's pretty brutal. Basically, what it is is they just trying to f- fake out the whatever computer program or or some sort of recruiter criteria for filtering out keyword. That that stuff happens more often than you think. It's it's a little nutty. It's a little less now, Sierra Wireless, because Amazon and Google and Microsoft hiring so many people that they they can't afford to be so picky. It used to be that Sierra Wireless was was very highly sought after place to go to work. For a, for a developer. Uh, Straight up the interview, a lot of times it's not necessarily the manager's fault because they were not necessarily given a set of questions or, or things to, to plan on. 
So they have like maybe one or two questions. And, you know, depending on the impression that the applicant gave, it's something that I found myself doing. Like if someone that I found dressed well, not as dressed well, so I shouldn't even say that because, you know, that's not even that important. But if they, you know, show up early, if they speak well, if they, they seem to answer the first two questions well, I may just already make up my mind that I think this person may be what I want. And I don't even ask some of the more tougher questions. Or I feel like this person is, I don't know, maybe he's somewhat quiet or he's, you know, stammering or, or, or you know, this, this, I get a certain sense that maybe the person isn't really completely truthful. Then I will ask more tougher questions. And I'm not proud of it. But I know that almost every manager I've worked with or or as, as I can in the interview, I, I'm pretty clear that they, they all, a lot of them tend to change their answers and or what questions they ask and whatnot. And sometimes you have to because depending on what the candidate tells you about their background or whatever, that you, you tend to, you know, are interested in certain things, right? You want to find out. So it, so that's actually not that uncommon either. Because it's not always fair to judge everybody in the same box. For example, you can't judge someone who just came out of school with someone who has been working as an accountant for a while and they're switching their career. Right? Like, like, like you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so just because you ask the same question doesn't necessarily mean it's fair either. Yeah. One, one example, even something like really innocuous stuff, just ask for the address or look at the resume address. I would tell, Anyone right now, do, do, when you're run, doing a resume, do not put your physical address. Oh, how come? Not because I'm, a, I'm afraid someone they're going to use your address to like you know stalk you. I mean, there's not, none of those things. <laughs> I remember several times when we were looking at multiple candidates and we we're deciding, deciding who to hire. And one of my colleagues, a fellow manager, says, "No, no, I don't want to hire this person." And I said, "Oh, why?" And he goes, "Oh, he lived." You know, we're in Burnaby and he lives in Right Rock. Really, what he's saying is that the commute, because the commute yeah. may be long, so therefore the person may, may, may want to take more days to work from home or they want, you may get more tired when they're driving. Now, yeah. there's no rule that says you cannot discriminate based on uh, proximity to work. But they say as a, as a mentor, like as your mentor right now, I'm telling you, do not put your physical address in your resume. So you want to find like maybe a friend closer by? Well, you just don't want to give them a reason to reject you, <laughs> right? What <laughs> physical address yeah, really shouldn't sure. matter. Like it doesn't help you. Don't do anything that doesn't help you. That can only hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I would say about it would be like, do not put your physical address. <laughs> and then there's these brain teasers. These questions are they don't do nearly as much as you think they do. Because, for example, here, here, like here's a question that Google actually is famous for asking these questions. Uh, with these brain teasers. Here, I'll, I'll give you one. How much should you charge to wash all the windows in Seattle? Um, where would you even start with a question like that? Well, you're on the clock. The interviewer's looking at you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, like, think about the think about interview setting right now. You better answer. What you, what, would, what, what would you do? All the windows in Seattle, I'd say about a million. Okay, a million. How do you come up with that figure? I'd, I'd assume that there are quite a lot of windows in Seattle. Okay. And that it would take a lot of time to wash all of them. And maybe a lot of people as well. Okay, so how to come up with a million? 
would it be fair to ask the interviewer like sub questions so i'd be like well how many windows exactly are there so i can base the question off of that how, how would how would you go about estimating this this number <laughs> no but that's it but that is the question yeah so you can see like right there i can tell you that if you answer the way you did and and, and, and if you're you know, kind of rolls his eyes this, this is part of what i'm not looking for you would be rejected now if you if i tell you the answer you're going to be like oh because the right answer is to give a unit price for the work. Just say $10 per window. Uh. Instead of giving a price for the entire job, which is what, what most people do. Ah, uh, I see. Right? But like, how does that help? I question it, and certainly the offer of the article certainly agrees. And Google agreed too. They stopped asking these questions now. That is a really annoying question. They used to do this in 2000. This is Google, right? Yeah. We're not talking about some niche you know, guy, whatever. This is Google. They, they, they space an entire hiring practice practice on these brain teaser questions you know questions don't even work i mean at least you can say oh this one uh has some sort of uh of uh you know estimate thing i mean and that's really stretching it by the way i can easily ask a much better estimating question than than something like this right these brain teasers are kind of like why people give advice and solicit advice it, it makes them interview feel smart it, it makes the interviewer feel smart, especially when you, they see a lot of candidates stumble. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, I, I, I think there's maybe some managers or executives that right now look uh, like, oh, that can't be, that's not right. But, but my question is so much right. I'm like, you know what? I, I've, I've heard a lot. Um, I'll give you uh, know. I just heard this other day. The person says, oh, this one question. I love to ask my candidate. You have to be eaten by an animal. Like right now, in, in the next like one minute, you need to be consumed by an animal. So what animal and why? Definitely an animal that would kill before it consumes. Okay. Maybe a lion. A lion, okay. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've seen enough documentaries to see that they, I think they kill before they start consuming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, so you answer that question now. I'll tell you how I answered it because the, the person actually explained and I actually challenged him and said, you know what? I have an answer and I answered that he, he was super impressed. There are reasons for it, but think about why someone would ask that question. What's the point? Um, maybe to challenge your, your thinking skills or like on the spot. Yeah. So, so, you know, maybe think on your feet. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. How you be you know, creative about sort of how you would structure the, the, the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was telling me that like one of the worst answers he got was the person who was talking about being eaten by hyena and talking about how, how <laughs> rat you know, that would be and da 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 and it's like uh like that right. What is a great answer? Well, apparently my answer is amazing because I said humpback whale. <laughs> and he goes humpback whale like that's a very specific answer. I goes yes because I, I read an article about a fisherman who got swallowed by a humpback whale. And got spit back out. <laughs> so I go, of course, I'll humpback whale. Because, hey, you didn't say it had to be consumed. You just need to be consuming in, in the animal's mouth. There's, you know, right? There's no, nothing that says uh, you actually have to be digested. I mean, that's a fair point. <laughs> no, but, but that's the thing. Like, oh, the, oh, I remember when I was telling the answer. He's like, oh my God, that, that's amazing. You are hired. Like, which, oh, I mean, obviously, he got joking, but he, was, but he was like, that was probably one of the best answers he ever heard. So now, so the question is, if you come up with that and then you get hired, great. 
But if you don't, what does that have to do with it? Like, okay, if you're being at, if your profession is a spy or you're a salesperson that need that, that or some so that, that need to be think really fast on their feet, you know, unprepared situation, maybe. But what does a developer have to do with that? Yeah. Like software development is not a firefighting business. You are in a skyscraper planning building business. The ability to think of your feet really quickly is really not all that useful. It's not your day-to-day. Yeah. So I, I openly say, what's the value of these questions? Not nearly as much as the people asking think they are. <laughs> but that's the challenge that comes up. And when companies don't tell candidates how they do, why they didn't get hired, then these kind of bad questions or uh, biases in how questions get asked and compare just perpetuate. That's the, re- the reality of interviewing for a company. That's, that's, that's so different than in academia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely see it being especially really annoying if, if I wasn't hired because of a question that wasn't even related to the, to the job at hand. Like if I went to try to get a job for development at EA or something and they asked me, what animal would you like to be eaten by? I mean, I, I, I'd already be shocked by the question to begin with. That's part of the, the, the preparation for interview, really, is not to be shocked. Because these are the things that you see actually more common than not. Yeah. So you have to you know, be prepared for these so-called trick questions. And that's really some ways of how you introduce biases. Because I can say, okay, you know what? We are a total, a uh, fair and equal, blah, 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 blah. But if all the managers are male and they are, you know, they, they hang out with, with buddies that, that they're all male and like, I'm just, I'm just male is an easy example and it's relatively true. Then, you know, you may, you, you know, you may over, over a drink. So I'll talk about some of these ha ha ha, like question, you know, uh, trick question that they ask and. The people who are in private schools or who are in like, you know, who know, you know, that the, the dads and uncles are these CEOs and stuff, they would have heard these at the dinner table. And even if they don't directly help them by prepping them for questions, th- th- by, by hearing them, you know, dinner table, Thanksgiving dinner, whatever, they will already know how to answer these, but they have nothing to do with their, with their ability to do their job. Yeah. Let's take a break. And here's a word from a podcast you really want to check out. The Electronic Specifier Insights podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions of the electronic industry's biggest players. Electronics and technology are becoming increasingly integral across all aspects of daily life and within society as a whole. Check out the Electronic Specifier Insights podcast at www.electronicspecifier.com. Speaking of like a place where like all the manager or men or any situations like that, even like when I'm walking into a business, I've seen a lot of situations where like, almost all the employees are of one race or almost all the employees are like one gender. And I feel like that almost is probably a bias in the hiring system in that place in general. Yep. I've been to places where 85, 90% are, for example, Asian, like Chinese. I've seen that. I've seen where a large section are male. Like, male is already, like, pretty after there, like, but the ones are just, like, even more so, like, 100% male. I've seen that. 
I haven't seen all white. Be, I think mostly because the, the software development industry is one industry where you cannot afford to be that picky. Yeah. Even Google's are like nobody like can afford to be that picky because you you need to hire the 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 the, the, the best you can get, right? So you can't afford to be yeah. that. But those things exist, and and they're not they're never ever ever like oh I don't want to hire um you know Indian person. Now the closest I've seen okay. is that I I don't I don't understand this person. Uh, this then or. The, 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 I find their accent too hard to do to deal with, so I don't want to hire people like that. I have heard that. Yeah, I can hundred percent imagine things like that happening in the industry. Yeah, abs- yeah, definitely. I've heard that, and it's not, and it's really hard to differentiate between rather their the the accent or not is that is difficult to understand, or they're just difficult, hard to communicate, or there's uh, bias. Yeah. But I can't, I can't imagine that the two are not intertwined. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's really about, about you know, interview. I, I would love to do like you know, full dedicated interviews on not to say, not to say well, what, what all the things are not good about it, but also how to actually, you know, prepare for interviews. Like, there, the, what are the questions that are better questions to ask and how to prepare for Yeah. I will say this, and I'll end this with, 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 uh, with a little nugget here. Besides the coding question, where they're testing your technical skills, there are two types of questions, two broad types of questions that I think are fair game. If you don't prepare for these questions, then you kind of shoot yourselves in the foot and you have no one else to blame. Like these trick questions don't count. The, the two type of questions that you want to prepare for are behavior questions and situational questions. So behavior questions are questions like, tell me about a time when blank okay so this blank can be a certain event occurred like when a colleague challenged you on one of the your ideas right that that's a behavioral question or tell me about a time when a project is at risk of running late and how do you get it back on track for example or a question about Tell me about a time when a opportunity surface or a problem was presented and how you designed a, a strategy. Now, I, I will have dedicated episodes to talk about how to prepare for these, but you can see how these questions are valid, in my opinion, because they, how you solve past experience, how you, how you deal with past experiences, it's in, a pro, in these similar situations is predictive right of how you you're likely to succeed in the current situation or current mm-hmm. role the biggest thing about these questions is that you do not answer in general terms like you need to come up with a story that your story what did you do what did you do in these things that uh, you know, explain exactly what you did the the star effort is what I, I a lot of times you hear uh, we'll get into that in a second. I'll, I'll, I'll let you, you look it up. But the, the, the actually is a star method. And the star method is sort of how you approach these kind of questions. Overall arching things that you need to explain it in a story where you're talking about what you did, how you did it, focus on you. One of the things that drives me up a bat is when people answer generically. For example, like if you answer like, can be a time when a, con- a colleague 
uh, occurred, like I had a, had a conflict or didn't agree with you. Like I've heard people say things like, oh, I'll talk this, you know, if that happens, we'll talk this person down and we will discuss the, 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 that is not good enough because the interviewer will almost always ask, how did you do it? Ex- specific example. Mm-hmm. If you say general terms of how you would, you, you failed. You understand? Yeah. Because you don't, you don't want to answer, answer in a way that anybody else it's trying to bullshit can answer, right? You don't want to answer in a very generic, uh, uh, bland way that, that doesn't differentiate at all from, from your competitors. I mean, even from the point of view of an interviewer, it 100% makes sense to reject an answer like that because I think a lot of times when people say how they would do something, it might not always align to how they did anyways. Exactly. Also, there's a sense of like, well, why didn't you, why can't you like come up with what you did? Because is it, is it bad? Are you yeah. concealing something? Like it's, it's also just a lack of preparation. Yeah. But you'd be surprised how often I get, as an interviewer, I get those kind of, I, I would say of all my interviews, I think over half I get, or I get these bland answers, right? Over half. And then it's a situational question, right? It's the other one, where I'm more hypothetical, right? Imagine this event occurred. How would you handle it, right? The candidate's answer gave you a glimpse of the ability to think quickly, right, and react appropriately, right? And I see how they would approach uh, problem solving. If a situational question were to occur, how would you avoid giving a generic answer in that situation then? Well... That, but that's the beauty part, right? It's a trigger. It is hypothetical. So you're allowed to give hypothetical answers because the question mm-hmm. is hypothetical, right? So these are the ones you're, you're given, you're given more breath, right? Yeah. Like you're given more breath. The key part about these questions are it's important that they ask everyone the same question in the same manner. I've seen interviewers ask the same question, but depending on Maybe how the candidate responded before or how much time is left or how stressed they are. They want to get out of there. They may give um, additional clues to somebody that they like or they already have a positive impression on and then not give it to someone they don't like. And this can happen without that person even knowing it. I was actually called once for doing that. And I didn't even know I did it. And then after several person says, you know, you realize that for this person, you give them all these clues to answer the question. And then for the person, you, this person B, you didn't say anything. You didn't give any of those clues at all. And, I, and I'm like, oh, like I felt bad. I, I didn't even know until the, the interview ended and we did a debrief. And thank God that company did a debrief. I was actually very thankful for that because I realized that what happened, and then afterwards, I I stick to I stuck to the script and said and asked the question the exact same way, regardless of my my impression of the candidate. I see. Now, like it's a bit of a mission of guilt on my part because you know I I'm not perfect, and I definitely made that mistake before. Now, to be fair, this was relatively early in my management career, and no one really taught me about the importance of the of these things. The idea is, oh, you've, you've, you've been on the other side, you've heard some interviews, we, and then we just, you know, you're, out, you're now manager now, okay, then go ahead, right? Yeah, I was going to say that since you have so much experience in uh, this category, even 
we could even have an episode on how to be an interviewer because you might even have viewers who who are way past the interview process and maybe they are also interviewers or they are managers and they could maybe like they're new at the job and they could use some advices like that as well i could i don't know how how many of the listeners are in that stage i think like this podcast is more geared towards those who are more junior 100 percent, yeah but yeah but no but here's the thing knowing how the interviewer things and what they go through and why they ask certain questions would be very useful for it for candidates anyway and that ends this episode listeners if you want to know more about interviews or your specific questions or subject areas you want me to cover please let me know at dsepodcast.com see you later and take care of yourselves congratulating yourself for listening By engaging with us, you are already well ahead of the pack. Please subscribe, share with others, and post about it on social media. For feedback and suggestions for future episodes, please go to the podcast website, dsepodcast.com.